This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Deanna Bartolini, an author, speaker, and retreat leader who wants you to know your faith and live not lukewarm. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am here today with Barbara Lee. We are going to be talking about her newest book, which is Answering God's Call, A Scripture-Based Journey for Older Adults. Let me tell you a little bit about Barbara. Barbara Lee is a spiritual director with a ministry to the aging who lives in New York City. She is a retired federal magistrate judge and a longtime member of the Ignatian Volunteer Corps, an organization of, of, of retired people who do volunteer work among the poor. She's the author of God Isn't Finished With Me Yet, Discerning the Spiritual Graces of Later Life, and as I said, her new book, Answering God's Call. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. As we talked a little bit before we started recording, um, we have a couple of similarities, (laughs) Uh, both students of Ignatian spirituality. Um, Barbara is a spiritual director, and I hopefully will be one come the end of January. And Barbara has written this lovely book uh, based on using Ignatian spirituality and prayer with scripture. Um, But before we get to the book, so the the tagline, a scripture-based journey for older adults, who are older adults? Okay, older adults are people who have experienced retirement or empty nest or caregivers or um, people who have experienced the various kinds of losses that come as we age, such as physical disabilities or the loss of people we love. Now, all of these things can happen at any age, but they become much more common as we grow older. So it doesn't depend on any specific chronological age. It's these life experiences. I I like that, right? Oftentimes we do associate, well, 62 is a senior citizen. Right. Um, At at this age, you can retire and get social security or get the discount at the movie theater. Right, (laughs) Um, right. Right. So this is more life experiences sometimes have a way of aging you beyond your years, really. Well, that's right. And in giving retreats and speaking to parish groups, I have met people in their 50s who were fragile and people in their 80s who were vibrant and active. So age is a number as far as God is concerned. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, as some of the people that you chose to write about in this book, many people were called at well beyond what we would consider a senior citizen's age (laughs) to do God's work. That's right. And especially in ancient times when life expectancy was so short. I mean, Abram lived 20 centuries before Christ. We don't know what life expectancy was then, but it was pretty short. So when he was 75, that was a great age. And at the time of Christ, life expectancy was about 40 years, and Anna was 84 and a widow in a society when women counted for nothing, and yet she was called 
to discipleship. So God doesn't think in terms of numbers. No, he, he doesn't. And it's good that God doesn't think the way we think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because where would we be if he did? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I don't want to think about that too much. Um, so in, let's talk a little bit, if we could, about the structure of mm-hmm. the book. Yeah. Okay. It's each chapter. There are 22 scriptural role models. And each chapter starts with the scripture passage. So the reader does not have to go back and forth to a separate Bible. The passage that you need is right there. And then I give a little background. I'm not a scripture scholar, but a little background, such as the examples that I just gave of what life expectancy was and what a woman's role or non-role in society was. And then at the end, there are what I call prayer starters, which are some suggestions to help the reader explore how he or she may be called by God right now. Now, emphasis on the word suggestions, because nobody can tell you what grace you ought to get from a specific scriptural passage and in the course of my work as a spiritual director i'm constantly amazed at the depth of scripture and the way different people get different kinds of graces but especially anybody who's new to this way of praying with scripture it's always nice to have a few helps to use if they help you and otherwise move on I think that's definitely something that I like about the book, uh, that first of all, the prayer suggestions and starters are different for each chapter, and they don't rely heavy on theological understanding of scripture. It's personal. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a scripture scholar, and I don't expect my readers to be studying scripture. What I want them to do and what I do is to pray with scripture. And when we're praying with scripture, we engage our hearts, not just our minds. And we put ourselves in the situation. We don't need any educational background to do that. And that's why, as you were saying, that when you listen to people after they've prayed with scripture, we can all pray with the same set of verses and Mm -hmm. come back. Right. Totally different answer. Absolutely. Because God is using that for what, what I need and then for what you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. individual. It's based mm-hmm. on our own personal situation at that moment in time. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned just now praying with scripture. So that's a very Ignatian idea. Yes. And we both love Ignatius. Um, you know, and I always say that doing the spiritual exercises absolutely changed my life. Well, mine too. And so praying with scripture, what is in the Ignatian way, what does that mean? Okay. Um, There are two different approaches, praying with images and praying with words. Praying with images, we try to put ourselves in the situation identify with one of the characters in the story. Now, 
with these characters, we'd normally identify with the principal character, Abram or Anna or St. Paul or whoever. If we're praying with the Sunday gospel, for example, it might be a minor character. It might be somebody healed by Jesus, somebody listening. But we try to identify with somebody and to imagine what that person is feeling and what he or she is expecting in the situation and what graces he or she experiences. And then we move from that to what does this passage say to me? Now, for example, Abram left everything when God called him at age 75. And that, that's an example of the call to trust. Now, I'm not being called to leave everything but I'm certainly called to trust. So I ask myself, am I able to trust or do I cling to anxiety? So that's one example. Now, some passages that are a little more abstract don't lend themselves quite so well to that kind of praying with images. So we have Lectio Divina, which is usually translated holy reading. But um, in that situation, we concentrate on a word or phrase that resonates and we repeat it and we sit with it and savor it and eventually ask God, what are you saying to me in this word or phrase? Now, whole books have been written about both of these approaches. So this is a very, very superficial summary. But there is a discussion early on in the book for those who are new to this form of prayer. They're not just tossed in the water and told to swim. I think that overall, um, the book certainly would be an excellent guide whether you have lots of experience with this sort of prayer or just a little bit. And, you know, because it does explain, as you just said, you know, how to use the book, how to pray with the scriptures. And the other thing that, that I, I, I always tell people um, when we talk about this sort of thing is that they're really, when you're reading scripture and you start to pray with it, um, there's no wrong way, really. This is from God. Yes. So, go with it. You know, um, he's not keeping a little report card on you. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, it's not hard to pray with. Right. <laughs> right. And starting with scripture, at least, you know, to, to my way of thinking, and from what I've learned is that then you're starting with something that you already know to be good and true. Mm -hmm. So it's much harder to go off track, so to speak, if you're starting from that point, you know, yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I really liked about the book, um, and I did not read every chapter, but I like very much the way you titled the, uh, chapters. Mm -hmm. So each of them is a call to something, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll read a couple of examples, the call to recognize what is possible. And you talk about Anna, who, who you mentioned earlier. Um, the call to adapt to radical change. Ah, yes. Paul. Wow. I mean, yeah. talk about radical change. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I mean, that's an issue for many people, especially the newly retired and the empty nesters. And Paul is such a wonderful example because he lived such an active life that you get tired just reading about it. I mean, if you go through the Acts of the Apostles, he's been shipwrecked, he's been jailed, he's been beaten, he's been God knows what. And yet the last two years of his life, he had to live alone under house arrest in a rented lodging in Rome, which must have been almost traumatic for him at the beginning. But he found a new form of discipleship. Instead of going out and arguing and preaching and attracting crowds, he received, the author of Access, he received all who came to him. So people came to seek his wisdom and he gave it to them. So it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it's two, two verses of the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. Right, right. It's just like those last last couple of verses at the very end. That, yeah. That's how he spent the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, and then we don't know what happened to him. Well, tradition tells us that he was martyred in Rome at the end of those two years, but uh, the book Acts of the Apostles stops before that. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it is interesting. Um, and it's true, the whole book of Acts, all he's doing is moving constantly, frantically. Um, and yeah. then all of a sudden, he has to stop and he does. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting. You mentioned, you know, like when you retire sometimes I've, I've read, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not really approaching retirement age, but I, I read about it. And, and I've also, I've read a lot of people have suggested that retiring is retiring is not always the best thing for people because if they have nothing else to do, right? Something that calls them to something bigger than themselves, mm-hmm. they almost start to go into a decline. They do. They do. And there are a lot of stories about men, particularly men. Women seem to do a little better, well, a little better ability to adjust, but there are a lot of stories about men who retire and then they're dead six months later. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I encourage people, and there's a chapter on creativity, uh, You know, when we are retired or when the children have left home and place is empty, that's time to explore what our gifts are. The gifts that maybe we didn't have the opportunity to develop when we were pursuing a career, raising a family, doing all kinds of things. And people have different kinds of creativity. I mean, something can be as simple as gardening. That's a a wonderful way of being creative. Um, Woodworking, photography, playing the piano. There are just so many ways of being creative and people have to, I think, pray a little bit about what their gifts are and what's the best way to use them. Yes, yes. I also have noticed in, in my life, in different things that I have done, that people who have an interior life have less of a difficulty. I'm not going to say no difficulty because no, change less can always difficulty, be difficult. You're absolutely right. But when you have that interior life, then you gain strength and comfort from it. And I think if I were to say to anyone, 
what can help you? I mean, obviously we're, we're both going to agree that praying with scripture is, right. is the best way um, because that's what we do as Ignatian people, right? right. <laughs> um, right. And people of, of God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, your book, what's beautiful about it, besides the fact that everything in here is based on scripture. So you know mm-hmm. that it has value. Mm-hmm. Number one, the scripture is right there. The prayer suggestions are right there. And it gives you an opportunity to deepen your interior life. Yes. Yes. One of the gifts of growing older is more interior freedom. When we don't have the responsibility, we don't do all the getting and spending. We don't have all the responsibilities and um, some people, you know, might say, oh, I have no, no purpose in life. But if you look at it in terms of increased interior freedom, it can lead in wonderful directions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so in looking at this book, um, I would say that it's for men and women both. Yes, definitely. definitely. Okay. And and I like what you said when we started off our conversation. It's not necessarily for people who are a certain age. Um, just myself, again, I've had transitions that mm-hmm. I've not really wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That were thrust upon me too soon, right? Uh, illness, difficulties with family mm-hmm. that happen, right? And so as I read through this, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it so resonates with me. Um, I don't know that it would resonate with an 18-year-old. Um, well, let me say something about that. I'm, I really think that this book might be of interest to the adult children and grandchildren of older adults. Pope Francis has been talking a lot lately about intergenerational contact and understanding And this just might be a tool for an open-minded, younger adult. I think it also is a good resource for the people who minister to older adults, both clergy and lay, in addition to all those groups that we talked about earlier. Yeah, because it helps you then to put on the mind of someone else and put yourself a little bit in their shoes. Yes. Um, And that's always a good way to shift your perspective, um, you know, and to do that. And I think, uh, I think the intergenerational has been missed for so many different reasons. Yes. You know, some, some through no fault. I mean, I think about myself, I mean, my husband and I, we left New York when I graduated high school. So our children were born far away from our, our families. Yeah. Uh, And they have a good relationship with them, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same as being present on a regular basis. Right, right. Well, you know, Pope Francis, of course, is one of us. He's an older adult, and he really gets it in terms of the way older adults have been underserved in society as well as in the church. So um, he's done wonderful things to draw attention. Yeah, and just with his um, announcing the Sunday 
July 27th, I think it was Grandparents Day. The Grandparents last, and Elder Adults yeah. Day. And I think that was great. It's the last, it's going to be the last Sunday in July. Every yeah. Year, yeah. 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 Near, the, near the feast day of Anne and Joachim. Right, right. right. So, um, really and just a way to call attention to the fact that everyone has gifts to offer. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, another thing about some of the characters in my book, some of them appear in gospel passages or in Bible passages that are familiar for other reasons. Mm. Now, Anna, for example, is a minor character in the Christmas story. But when we hear homilies about that episode, first of all, we hear about the presentation of Jesus in the temple. Obviously, that's a very important thing to preach about. And then we hear about Simeon. Why did the men always get more attention? But (laughs) Simeon has more, more words in that paragraph. And Anna is kind of passed over. And the remarkable grace that she experienced as an invisible elderly woman in a society that valued that didn't listen to women. And and here she had the grace of recognizing that this baby was the Messiah. And then she went out and shared the news. She was one of the first disciples. So we don't hear about her. So this is a chance for older people to identify with somebody who is a less important character in the story, but a really important role model for all of us. Another one is Naomi because she's the mother-in-law of Ruth and she had to accept people taking care of her, which is another big issue for a lot of older adults. We hear about Ruth all the time, but we don't hear about Naomi. And she's a really important role model for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, I do like the way you took both major and minor characters, stories, Um, And it's so good sometimes to look at those stories that we hear all the time from a different perspective, right? It just puts a little bit of a new spin on it and it it changes maybe the way things are processed in your brain and you think Mm -hmm. differently about it and it's important. Mm -hmm. And when you have experience in Ignatian prayer, that begins to come naturally. If you start praying in this way with scripture, because um, you don't always identify with the major character in the story. So, and sometimes you do, and that's wonderful too, but there are so many, scripture is the living word of God, and there are so many lively characters that we can relate to if we put ourselves in the situation. I I like the way you say that, lively characters. I think that's, that's a nice... That's a nice way of saying it. Um, and I do think that, so for anyone who's listening who says, well, Ignatian prayer, it sounds so serious and it sounds like I have to know something. You no. <laughs> have to have an openness, just That's an right. openness um, to read the word and hear God speaking to you. Exactly um, right. Yes, there is nothing intimidating about it. Ignatius was a very wise man. Well, I'm not going to argue with you about that statement um, <laughs> at all. So, no, we're not going to argue about Ignatius being a wise man because he was. I mean, clearly he must be since 500 years later, we're still talking about and using his his method yeah, um, that's right. yeah. and, and so forth. So he's done amazing things. 
Um, so anything else that you would like to tell us about the book that you want to say about it? Well, I think we've covered the, the major points. And I guess the only thing I would add is this, this is not a book to read from cover to cover or to take with you on a plane flight. This is one chapter at a time to read slowly and think about and pray about. And it doesn't matter whether you read one chapter every day or whatever, but just one chapter at a time, slowly and prayerfully. And I hope that you hear something that God is saying to you. And I, I would, I totally agree. It's not a, it's not a beach read or a plain read. It's a sit when you have a few minutes of quiet and even stick with the same chapter for a couple of days. Oh, really that's very Ignatian to repeat something, especially, to go, especially if you're getting a lot out of it, then go back to it a couple of days later and you may get, you may go even deeper. Yeah. But you don't have to do that. I don't want to scare people away. No, there's nothing, nothing scary about this book. Um, It is readable. It's relatable, which I always think is so important. Um, And it's definitely something that you can incorporate into your prayer life a couple of times a week. Mm -hmm. And in all honesty, I... I know it says for older adults and no one, none of us ever really like to think we're older adults. Um, But I would say that really anyone who's had any deep or life-changing experiences are going to get something out of this book. And as Barbara pointed out, if you are ministering to or caring for elderly people, this would also be of a help to you, I think. And, And maybe who knows, maybe you could even work it into helping them go through some of these reflections as well. Maybe if they're not able to read it all, or, you know, you could do it together. There's all different things that you could do. A lot of ways um, that, that it can be useful. I prefer the term older adults. Um, I think senior citizens is demeaning. And elderly is understood in different ways by different people. Some people have an image, you say the elderly, and they think of somebody in a wheelchair with a cat in her lap. (laughs) You know, so older adults, I think is a little more respectful, and it's also broader. It is, it is. Um, So I'm going to encourage everyone to get a copy of Answering God's Call, a scripture-based journey for older adults by Barbara Lee. It is published uh, by Loyola Press which is an Ignatian publisher, of course. And it's also, so it's available on their website and I'll drop those links into the show notes as well. Um, Barbara, thank you so very much for joining us today. I greatly appreciate Thank you, Deanna. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Not Lukewarm Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe or tell a friend or leave a review. You can find all show notes and links on notlukewarmpodcast.com. That's also where you can find links to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you have a topic that you'd like to learn more about or want to tell me how the Not Lukewarm Challenge went this week, please send me an email at Bartolini at mediaangels.com.